we thank you for this word. We thank you that we have this awesome opportunity to hear your word, to grow by your word, to uh, have your word guide our lives, direct our lives. Father, we thank you tonight that your spirit is speaking to us. We're not receiving the words from a man, but we're receiving the words from God himself. And so we are attentive tonight. Our ears and our minds and our hearts are open, open. They're receptive to the word of God. I thank you that we will walk out of here different than the way we came in, looking for ways to apply the word of God in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm, tonight I want to get into, and uh, this is going to end up being a series that we'll go into here on Wednesday nights, um, that is something that's very close to me, something that I have done uh, quite a bit of teaching and studying um, over my short ministerial career, but it's something that's very close to me and very dear to me, um, and uh, I, I see less and less of an emphasis on it uh, in this day and age. Um, even in the church, but I want to make emphasis on it, and that is spiritual growth, spiritual growth. <clears throat> I tried to come up with a cool title. That was the best I could get, but that is exactly what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about growing up spiritually, growing up spiritually. Go ahead and go to First Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll go ahead and start with our verse that's going to kind of start it off. I want you to know that God is not just interested in getting people born again. just want to go ahead and let you know that right off the bat. If you thought that was the only thing that God cared about in his existence, and if that's all that he cared about with your life is that you just got born again, and you came into the kingdom, and that was it, and, and, and God is just, he's just, Jesus is up there hammering, hammering away on your mansion, preparing a way for you, I want you to know that there is more that God is interested in your life than you just coming into the kingdom. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. How completely? That your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your spirit, your soul, and your body. We know this. This is uh, Bible education 101. You are a three-part being. You are a spirit. You are not who you are on the outside. Just go ahead and let you know. This thing on the outside that we all see and we all try to make pretty and we all take care of every day and, and, and this is what guides our life. This is not who you really are. Who you really are is a spirit man on the inside that none of us can see right now. You possess a soul. Your soul is your mind. Your soul is your will. Your soul is your emotions. I like to put it this way. Your soul is what you think. Your soul is what you want to do. And this, your soul is how you feel. And that's... What most people on this face of this planet are led by, what they think about something, what they want to do, and how they feel about something. And then we have our flesh, which is this outside body that we have to have. I'm not here to make light of the flesh tonight by talking about spiritual growth and spiritual formation. You have to have your flesh because if you don't have a flesh suit, you're not doing anything in the earth. Your spirit has no access here. The only access that you have in the earth is through this outside flesh suit. But the problem is, is that your spirit and your flesh, they're in direct opposition for your entire life. The second you come into the kingdom, a war has just been waged, and you will not get out of that war unless you quit and give up. So there's a war that's taking place in your life. The spirit... Versus the flesh. What the flesh wants to do is what the world offers. But what your spirit wants to do is what God offers. So there's a direct opposition there that's taking place. Okay? Now, anything that is growing or anything that is living should be growing. If something is alive, then growth should be taking place. 
It's the first point I want to make. Okay, naturally speaking, in our flesh, we've identified the three parts of our being. In our flesh, if we are alive, we are growing. We all started out as babies. We matured into childhood, then matured into uh, uh, teenagers, and then we matured into adults. There is a growth process. If something is dead... It's not growing. If something is dead, it, has, it does not have the capacity to grow. So when we're talking about spiritual growth, we're talking about a spirit man that is alive, not dead. Because before you come into the kingdom, your spirit man is dead, dormant, has, has, has no say in your life. Before you came into the kingdom and you were running in the world, Regardless of how hard you lived it, you were living according to your flesh and your spirit had no say-so in your life. But then that spirit is made new, which we're getting ready to look at here in a little bit, is made alive, the Bible says. And if it's alive, then it should be growing. So right there, that destroys the whole just get in the kingdom, just get born again, and that's enough. Because if you really came alive, if you really got a new life in Christ, then you should be growing. There should, the growth should be occurring. A development process should be taking place. A maturing process should be going on. So we are a three-part being, a spirit, a soul, and a body. Point number two, each portion of our lives can be developed to a greater or lesser degree. You can develop your spirit, man. You can develop your physical flesh outside. And you can develop your soul realm. You can develop your mind, your will, and your emotions. There are some people that their emotions run the gamut in their lives. Their emotions control them. Uh, if they're angry, their life is out of whack. If they're sad, their life is out of whack. And that's because they have not developed their soul realm. And then there's development in our flesh. Obviously, there's the normal growth process that takes place. But then there's also development beyond that. You can uh, develop your body. Uh, there are athletes that develop their bodies to train a certain way. And a runner doesn't train the same way that a weightlifter trains. And a baseball player doesn't train the same way a football player trains. There's a specific element there's a specific type of training and development that takes place that they're gearing their flesh towards and so the same goes for our spirit man our spirit man our spirit man on the inside that we cannot see can be developed and should be developed should be growing should be maturing okay so anything that is alive is growing we are a three-part being, spirit, soul, body, all three parts you can develop however much or however little you want. It's up to you. It's up to us. There's the natural growth process that takes place, but if you take out what babies should be taking, if you reduce that out of their lives, they will not grow as they should. You, nothing, nothing just grows because, okay? Okay? And we'll get to that in a minute. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I've got to slow myself down. I'm going to preach all my points at one time. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This, we know, speaks of our uh, moment of salvation. This is one of the verses that when you came into the kingdom, when you were first born again, it's probably one of the first verses that someone told you, look, you're a new creation now. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How many of you in here that are born again would raise your hand and admit 
that the Christian life actually got harder. That the old things didn't just literally pass away. They didn't just disappear and I no longer had those desires. Man, I prayed a prayer last night. I don't want to do that anymore. Man, you may not want to and you may say that all you want, but there's still a flesh push and desire and draw. Why? Because we live in a world that's fallen. We live in a world that we're surrounded by the stuff that we used to do, the stuff that God hates, the stuff that our spirit hates, but our flesh loves it. Also, when you became new, that didn't include your natural man. I don't know about you, but when I said the prayer, I didn't turn around and people were like, whoa, who's that? You're a completely different person. You have different color eyes and different color hair and and, and you're, you're a different size. No, that didn't happen. What became new? Your spirit man. Your spirit man instantly became new. All things have passed away in the sense that the life that you used to live is done away with. The only way it comes back is if you bring it back. I heard someone say, the devil can't make you sin. He just throws it out there and you go for it. Every time. That's what happens every time. The devil doesn't make you do nothing. The devil didn't make you do nothing before you knew Christ. And the devil ain't making you do nothing after you knew Christ. Okay? So it's all a part of a decision process. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This speaks of the event of salvation. An event is something that you can mark down a specific time, a specific place, a specific day, who you were with, who you were around, where you were. If any of you parents are with your kids like my mom was, she wrote in the front of my Bible the day that I got born again. It's in there. It was the date's on there. The date I was filled with the Spirit. It's on there. The day that I was baptized she's got it written somewhere in some children's bible somewhere in texas it's there that was the event that i spiritually became new instantly but here's the problem spiritual growth is not an event spiritual growth is a process spiritual formation is a development that takes place over time and it only is time that will prove it out time is the only thing that will prove out spiritual growth now yes some people can grow spiritually quicker than others it's all based upon the attention and the time that you give it but that's the only thing that will determine it you, nobody was spiritually born an adult. Just like nobody here was naturally born an adult. Anybody born here at an age earlier than zero? No. Nobody came out as a five-year-old. I'm already ready. Kindergarten, let's do this thing. And mom's like, no. I want to hold you and cuddle you and give you a bottle and No. No, we had to go through the whole process. Everybody does. Go to John chapter 3. Spiritual growth is not an event, but a process. Salvation is an event. You can mark it down. You know exactly when it happened. You know where you were. You know how it took place. But now we get into spiritual growth, and now there's a little more pressing, a little more development needs to take place. And in John chapter 3 and verse 1, Jesus has a conversation with a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And starting in verse 1, he says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, 
He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it, that you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. It's interesting that he relates a spiritual life as beginning just like our natural life. And that makes it easy for us. That makes it easy for us. Because when you come into the kingdom of God spiritually, it's just like you came into this world physically. So what does that tell us? There's a development that needs to take place. There's a growing, a growth process, a a maturation process that needs to take place. Because you weren't born as an adult spiritually, just like you're not born as an adult naturally. Everyone is born naturally as a baby. Everyone is born spiritually as a baby. Everyone. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you came into the kingdom. It doesn't matter how much you knew about Jesus before. See, that's the good part because you could even, you could even be a studier of religious law like Mr. Nicodemus here. This guy is supposed to know the book in and out. In fact, if you look in verse 9, Jesus goes, Aren't you a teacher of the law and you don't even understand this stuff? You could be a teacher of the law. And he's telling Nicodemus, the second you come into God's kingdom, you're going to be a baby. It doesn't matter how much you heard about it. doesn't matter how much you knew about it. doesn't matter how much you studied it. Until you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are outside the kingdom. And when you come into the kingdom, you are born again spiritually as a baby. We call it spiritual rebirth. We call it being born again. So... That's some interesting stuff that we have to see there because Jesus is referring to your entrance into the kingdom of God as being a baby. Then why are we just leaving babies laying around everywhere? See, for a lot of people, being born again is the end process. Thank God I made it. But Jesus is saying here, this is actually just your beginning. You've actually just been born again. What is birth? Birth is the beginning. That is your first moment in a new world. So Jesus actually doesn't identify being born again as a finish line. He identifies it as a starting point, which is what we talked about on Easter. The cross is not the end. The cross is the beginning. Jesus said it is finished. His side was finished. But what he was saying is, now you come to the cross, accept me as your Lord and Savior, believe that I died on this cross and rose again, and now you're just getting started. So being born again, we have to understand that when we came into the kingdom of God, there is a growth process that needs to now take place. You haven't finished anything. You've only just begun. We're just getting started in this thing, okay? Nothing develops by accident or just because it exists. Nothing develops by accident or just because it exists. You came into the kingdom. You were born again. You prayed a prayer of salvation. You came to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And hopefully... Whoever you prayed with or whatever church you were at, they said this. Now you need to get you a Bible. And you need to find a church. It may not be this church, but you need to get hooked up with a local church. And you need to be discipled and trained in this new life that you have been born into. Leaving a newborn believer at the altar untouched. Is like, is like leaving a brand new baby in the delivering room. The 
The first thing we should be doing is, all right, we got to get nutrients to this thing. All right, we, we got to get its vitals. All right, we, we got to uh, get, get it surrounded in the right atmosphere and environment that's now going to continue to nurture it and grow it. If for any reason uh, the nurses or doctors don't feel the parents are up to par with taking care of this baby, they're not going home. Because they're not going to send that baby off into an atmosphere or environment that's not going to be nurturing and help the growth and maturing process that is necessary for the proper development of this new baby. But in, 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 is there a great rejoicing when someone's born? Yes. You got balloons hanging off of mailboxes. People coming over and showering you with gifts, literally. It's an exciting time. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when just one person comes into the kingdom. But how devastating would the rejoicing be if we just left them there to die and not get them around the proper nutrients and environment, atmosphere that's going to help the baby develop and grow up. And it can't be done on your own. Well, I'll just get a Bible and I'll just stay at home. No. You don't give the baby a bottle and say, all right, take care of it. See, Jesus and Paul did it too. They would take natural things. When, when, when Paul wanted to talk about the church, what did he use as our picture in the earth? A body. He said the church is the body of Christ. Why? So now you know what the church is supposed to look like. The church is supposed to have many different members, many different moving and working parts. But since they're all attached together and connected to the head and taking orders from the head, the whole body operates as one and fulfills and accomplishes the same goal and same vision. So that's what the church should look like. Well, now Jesus is saying, here's what a brand new born again believer looks like they are coming into the kingdom completely ignorant completely vulnerable and if you don't gather around i mean those are the most crucial moments is when they're first born period doesn't matter how well the baby comes out and how healthy the baby is those are the most crucial moments because now there's an adapting that has to take place You've just come from one world to another world. And you're not getting everything through an umbilical cord anymore. Now you've got to learn to suck and you've got to learn to swallow. You've got to learn to breathe. And then we grow a little older and we've got to learn to walk and we've got to learn to talk. And then we get a little bit older. We've got to learn our ABCs and then we've got to learn our math and then we get a little bit older. And we've got to learn to read and write. And there's a development process that goes on through our lives. And so Jesus is saying, when you come into the kingdom of God, you are born again, which means you are at a baby stage, and there's a development that needs to take place. And that development does not occur by accident. You do not accidentally spiritually grow. Wow, I didn't even, I'm a spiritual giant, I didn't even mean to do that. Growth is deliberate. Growth is deliberate. Growth only comes because you make the decisions to grow. Look, as adults, we might have physically reached a growth limit when we were about 18 to 20 years old. For me, I'm glad my limit didn't come when I was 18. Because when I graduated high school, I was five foot four and 100 pounds. And I went off to college, came back in six months, and I was 5'7 and 120. Thank God it wasn't over <laughs> at 5'4". It got me three, I squeezed out three more inches, man. But now, I'm trying to grow differently. I'm trying to grow my muscles. And I'm trying to stay healthy by staying active and staying in the gym. There's a different kind of growth. You can grow your mind. You can go back to school. You can 
take another, uh, you know, take another course or learn something new and just continue to develop. There's always growing that's taking place. But the initial growth and the initial, the initial maturing is what we're focusing on here. Because you don't want to be, be a baby left in the delivery room. So growth is determined or uh, nothing develops by accident or just because it exists. Growth is determined by attention. You mothers, you gave that baby a lot of attention. A lot of attention when they were small and couldn't do anything for themselves. Growth is determined by attention. Growth is determined by attention. There are kids that have trouble growing in school and growing in knowledge because they have an attention deficit disorder. There's something not clicking that's not allowing them to give the proper attention, and so their grades are going down because they're not learning because the attention isn't taking place so the growth can take place. Growth is determined by attention, which means... The amount of attention you give something determines the growth you'll get back in return. There's no farmer that just takes seed, throws it out in a field, and then comes back in six to eight months and said, wow, that was, that was awesome. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to pay attention to it. It just grew all by itself. It was just, it was an accident. I grew corn all by, uh, all on an accident. I just grew tomatoes without even doing anything. No, you have to give it attention. You have to get it in the right environment. You have to give it the proper nutrients. Why? Because anything that is alive is growing. What happens if you don't give it the proper attention? It stops growing and it dies. The greatest identifier for life, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, the greatest identifier for growth or for, for life is growth. You, talk, you have a hard time telling me that you are spiritually alive if we're not spiritually growing. Because if you're alive, you're growing. The title of my message tonight was Don't Grow Old, Grow Up. Because there's some of us uh, not some of us, I don't believe we have anybody like that in this church, but there's people in this world that they're just growing old. That's it. The days are just counting. Days are just ticking. And I hate to say it, but Christians are some of the worst ones, man, because we're just waiting for Bela land. We're just waiting for golden streets. We're waiting for the king to come back on his horse and whoop up on the devil so we don't have to put up with him anymore. And I can just go live in my mansion and sip tea with Jesus. And we become the worst ones at spiritually not growing, and we become the worst ones at spiritually dying. It is a sad thing to be spiritually born again and then spiritually die. Because when you're born again, the only thing that should be taking place after the initial birth process is growth. Everything after that should be growth, adding, developing, maturing, the process. All right. You getting this tonight? Good, amen? First Peter chapter 2. It's funny, I was going to preach this as one message. And, uh, nope, that wasn't going to happen. I've probably got a good five, four or five. I, I taught this in a class before, and I thought I was just going to pull points. And I was like, you know what? We just need to go ahead and get into it because spiritual growth, it's one of the things that's lacking in churches, and it, it shouldn't be. I, I remember the, uh, before I had even moved here, I was up here uh, with Pastor Brian at the time, and we were visiting and meeting and doing some stuff, and a pastor came into the church. We were over at the other location. And, uh, you know, we were talking about how I was coming up to take over the church, and Pastor Brian was going down with his wife to uh, help uh, with Anchor Faith Church St. Augustine. And, 
And his first words out of his mouth was, man, you know, I'm just telling you, I'll be honest with you, this town is just spiritually dead. There's just no, there, we're just a, in a spiritual lull. It's a spiritual depletion. This is a pastor talking about. I mean, this isn't the world outside saying, man, all of our spirit people, all of our, you know, Christians, they're just a bunch of deadbeats. This was a pastor saying that. We got to be alive. Churches have to be alive. And the greatest identifier for life is growth. And I don't mean just growth in numbers. Because I'll tell you right now, I'd rather have the group we have today, but every one of you could go out and be a proper witness for the kingdom of God tomorrow than have 10,000 in this room or in a building and none of them know how to be, uh, be uh, a Christian, a kingdom citizen. Spiritual growth uh, and church growth isn't just measured by numbers, the size of buildings and how many chairs you got out and how many parking lot spaces you have. Church growth ought to be identified by what are the, what's the body doing when they get back out there. And that's why spiritual growth is so important. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, laying, all side, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. Thereby, we'll get into this verse a little deeper later on into what we need to actually help us grow. But I just want to identify here that once again, we're seeing uh, an allusion to being a baby. Uh, When we begin spiritually, we begin as a baby and babies can't take in the same intake that you and I take. You start out at a level. And we all started there. Nobody in here started chewing meat when you first came out, naturally or spiritually. Nobody did. Mom and Dad, you weren't stuffing down, you know, Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. Ooh, you're going to love these. Can't wait to get you on these. No, we waiting a little bit. We, we getting some milk. We just getting some liquid. And that's what the baby needs. It's not that we're depleting the baby. That's actually what the baby needs at that point is the milk of the word. So what does that mean? That means we're not stuffing down all of our deep stuff that we've all learned over the last however many years that we've been growing as, as, as uh, you know, the spiritual giants that we are down, you know, a baby's throat. No, we're just teaching them the basics. This is how you live for Christ. This is what faith is. This is what prayer is. This is what the Holy Spirit is. This is what uh, love is. Just getting some fundamental truths down. Why? So they can develop and grow. That's what they need. So again, we see that we're all born spiritually as babies. No one is born spiritually as an adult. There is always a development process. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. I told you at the beginning that God's interest is that we grow up spiritually, that his people grow up, mature, and develop, that that process takes place. His interest is not that we just get into the kingdom and then just wait for heaven. So in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he outlines here how he has made that process available to us. He says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying or the strengthening of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. And this word perfect, don't let that scare you. doesn't mean perfection as in, uh, you know, never messing up. Perfect means mature. That word in the Greek is literally defined mature. How do you define a mature person from an immature person? Choices and what they can do on their own. Immature, you have to have help. Mature, you can make the decision on your own and you don't need me there right by your side to help you make that choice. 
So don't get upset with a newborn believer that just got saved last weekend because you brought them to church and they still cussing. And they still are dealing with some of the stuff they were dealing with before. Why? They're immature. They have to be grown up. Now, once we're grown and once we're mature, we shouldn't be making the same decisions that, uh, and choices that we made when we were immature. And the, how do you identify it? Immature versus mature? The choices and what you need help with. That's all it is. Camden will need help when he gets to the edge of that road to know, do not go across it. But hopefully he matures to an age one day where he can make that decision to say, nope. See, maturity is uh, defined in restraint. Maturity is defined in restraint. Maturity is defined in what you can say no to. Remember the prodigal son. Prodigal son. Immature. Wasn't matter... It wasn't a matter of, uh, a, of a money issue. It was a matter of he was immature in how to handle it and went out and spent all, spent all that he had, spent the entire inheritance. A mature person wouldn't have done that. A mature person would have showed restraint. A mature person would have waited. Okay? So to be perfect that doesn't mean to never miss it. That just simply means to become mature, to uh, build up uh, within yourself the ability to make decisions, have restraint, and be able to do those things on your own without help. So let's keep going. To the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. Look at that. Well, we're just all children of God. Yeah, you are. You're, you're still somebody's child, but hopefully we've become an adult as well. And we see right here that God does not wish that we stay children, immature, uh, our entire spiritual lives. He has an interest that we should no longer be children. And what's the definition of a child? Tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may what? Grow up. This is the Father's interest. This is what God is interested in. This is what he desires for every newborn believer. Nobody is outside of this. There is no one that comes into the kingdom that God says, you know what, you're good. You know, you don't have to worry about that whole maturing thing. You just hang out. I'll take care of you. I'll cuddle you. I'll give you your bottle for the rest of your life. Don't worry about it. No. His goal and his interest and his best for us is that we don't remain children tossed to and fro, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into who? Him. Christ. May grow up to look like Christ. May grow up to look like Jesus. That means Jesus is the identifier of what a mature believer should look like. If you ever needed a picture of what a Christian is supposed to look like, there you go. Jesus is your example. Jesus is the one you can look to and say, that's what I'm supposed to look like. That's what I'm working towards. To grow up into him. I didn't say it. God said it. Through Paul. From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working of which, uh, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body. For the edifying of itself in love. Look at that. Your spiritual growth. Your spiritual growth. Helps the church as a whole grow. As you grow as an individual. You help the whole body grow. Wouldn't that be terrible if my entire body developed. Except for my left hand. Wouldn't that be horrible. And they say, you know what, I, I don't need to do that whole maturing thing. You know, 
the hand worked when I was two. I don't need a, I don't need a bigger one. It's still able to grab stuff. Anybody seen that? I think it's a Burger King commercial. They're talking about how big their burgers were. And you got that one guy, and he's like, but I can't hold the burger. I got these tiny hands. And, you know, through computer imagery, they made his hands really, really tiny on a, on a huge body, a normal-sized body. He's got these tiny little hands, little sticks coming off of his arms. You don't want to be that person. You want to help the entire body mature and grow. So you mature and grow. As you develop, you end up bringing value and being an asset to the body where I've matured and now I can fulfill my role and my assignment. That's what we're starting to talk about on Sundays. So once again, we see that spiritual growth is the responsibility of every believer. Every believer. No one's left out. No one's disqualified. No one is... Uh, you know, except for these kind of people or this certain type. He's not pointing out any of that. He's saying, if you want to, uh, if you come into the kingdom as a newborn believer, here's what you need to do. Let's grow up. Don't just grow old. Grow up. Well, I've been, I've been, I got saved 25 years ago. Well, are you still alive or did you die? Do we need to revive you? You know, that, you know, back in the 90s, it was a real big deal uh, with churches. We always wanted revival. We need revival. Revival means you were dead at one time. Has anyone ever thought about that? Now, the city needs revival, yes. But your church, if your church needs revival, what you're saying is we are currently dead and we need to be revived back to life again. <laughs> we once were alive. We died, and somebody come raise us up, please. I need some minister to come up in here for four months straight, Monday through Friday, just have service, and we'll just have Holy Ghost meetings, and people run around everywhere. That's not going to raise you up. Those things are necessary. The city needs revival. The city needs to be brought back to the Lord. The city needs to come up to life. But I hope this church never needs a revival. I hope we've never. That means we've gotten to a very dangerous state where we grew old, but we didn't grow up. I want to grow old and grow up. I want to grow old in the things of God, but I don't want them to grow old on me. I always want to be learning something new because that's how I grow up. Amen. So we all have this responsibility. Notice also out of Ephesians chapter 4, he points out that it's our responsibility to help other newborns grow he identifies uh in verse 11 the fivefold ministry that have the ministry of equipping the saints but we've also got to be guarding those that we know that have just come into the kingdom don't just run them out there in a in a position where they can get hurt don't be running immature children in situations where they're not mature enough to handle I know Dresden ain't going behind the wheel tonight to get home. It ain't happening. We ain't mature enough yet. One day she will. That's a scary thought. I know. I don't want to bring that to you. <laughs> but right now, she ain't running. She ain't getting the keys tonight to go home. We're not mature yet. So we have to guard those that are newborn believers, those that we know are immature in certain things. We guard them and we help them grow as well. Last verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm just doing a basic introduction tonight. I want you to see, first of all, that it is God's will that we not only come into the kingdom and be born again, but that we grow up in the things of God, grow up as believers. I want you to notice that anything that is alive is growing. So if you want to know where you're at with your life with Christ and your walk with God, look at your growth in God. Well, how am I growing? What am I learning? What am I doing today that I wasn't doing yesterday? What am I not doing today that I was doing yesterday? We should always be developing and answering these questions, asking ourselves these questions in our lives. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Let me just give you a little intro. Paul goes and he plants this church in Corinth. 
He planted the church. He leaves, puts somebody else over the church. Because he says later on, I planted, Apollos watered, but God brings the increase. I planted the church. I established this church. I got it set up. Now I've given it over to Apollos, and now he's operating and running the church. According to history, four to seven years later, he comes back and he writes 1 Corinthians. And he is not happy. This Corinthian church, probably one of the most jacked up churches ever to exist. The stuff that's going on in this church. We're not talking about the world. We're not talking the strip club down the street or the bar next door. We're talking the church. So look at his words in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. And I, brethren, four to seven years later, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Now look, he doesn't say, and that's okay. It's okay that you stay babies all your life. It's okay that you stay carnal. God has mercy and grace on your life. It's all about going to heaven anyways. Don't worry about it. We all messed up. No, look what he says. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. Why? Because you don't give babies solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And watch this. And even now, you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Not even men. Just You're barely a man. Because you're... You have divisions, you have strife, you're gossiping behind each other's backs, you're talking about each other. One group has formed over here that says, well, we were here when Paul started the church. And then another one comes over here, well, we were here when Apollos came. So we're of Apollos and we're of Paul. And he's saying, what does it matter who you're of? God's the one that's given the increase. Why do we have divisions and strife among each other? Why is there envy? Why do you wish that you have what this person has? And why does this person wish that... This person had. What's he saying? There is immature activity taking place. You are still carnal. And I've come back to you now four to seven years later. Expecting to be able to give you solid food. Boy, that'd be hor horrible. If your child at 8, 10, 16... Said, Mom, are you going to make me a bottle? Mom, are you going to get me a bottle? You're going to warm it up for me? Wouldn't that be terrible? I just want milk, Mom. Now, milk is good. I still drink milk. Why? Because you always go back to the elementary, you have to keep the foundation. But there should be something built on top of the foundation. You take the foundation out and the whole thing falls. I eat solid food. I eat steak. I eat potatoes. I eat my vegetables. I eat the stuff that you got to chew on it. But I still drink the milk. Well, here he's got a problem with the church four to seven years later. What's that tell us? That we can expect to be spiritually mature within four to seven years. That's what it tells us. Paul expected it out of the Corinthian church. That somewhere between four and seven years, from the time someone becomes born again to four to seven years later, we can begin to expect them to be able to make mature decisions as an adult would. Now again, growth is always going. That doesn't mean you have reached, and we'll get into that later. We'll talk about all that. We're going to talk about stages of growth. Growth. We're going to talk about childhood, adolescence, adulthood. We're going to talk about what hinders growth, what keeps people, what will stunt your growth. We'll talk about all of it. But Paul is identifying, what was Paul's interest? That they grow up. That they not still be quarreling. 
that they not still be in strife, that they not still be envying, that they still not be doing the sexual impurities that they were doing, that they not be partaking in the practices that they were doing beforehand, somewhere between four and seven years later from the time Paul established the church to the time he came back, he expected them to be able to eat some steak, yet they still could only take the bottle. So it is, just as it was Paul's interest, it is God's interest that we grow, that we develop as believers. No one wants to be left in the delivery room. You know why? Because there's a purpose. There's a purpose for that life. There's a purpose for that child that's just been born. And if we leave them there, they will not fulfill the purpose. But everything we do, every bottle we give them, every time we teach them to talk, every time we help them take their first steps, every time we send them off to school, every time we teach them how to drive, every time we help them open their first bank account, we are helping them accomplish their purpose in the earth. The same thing spiritually. You'll have a hard time accomplishing anything for God as a newborn believer. Now, I'm not here, I'm not diminishing the fact that a newborn believer can't go out tomorrow and witness. There obviously are different levels. And you can be a productive and effective citizen for the kingdom of God the first day you come in. But there's still a growth process. Because you're not going to be a very effective witness for the kingdom if you're still partaking in everything that the people you're witnessing to are doing. And so that's where growth ought to take place. That's where this development should take place. Father, we thank you for this word tonight. We thank you that you did not just leave us at the delivery room. You did not just leave us at the altar, but you have placed within us the capacity and the ability to grow up the potential to be an effective and productive citizen for the kingdom of God. I thank you that if we are alive, we're growing. You have given us the greatest identifier of life, and that is growth. And just as uh, we can be identified in life by our age, by how much we've grown, how much we've developed, Father, I thank you that you have set the same course for us spiritually. And so tonight, We give ourselves to the process, to the development of our spirits. Every part, every portion of us grows based upon the attention we give to it. And we we give a lot of attention to our flesh, and we've grown in that area. We may give uh, attention to our mind and have developed our minds and our intellect. But Father, you've also called us to give attention to our spirit. And as we do so, Father, we'll grow, we'll develop, we'll mature spiritually so that we can do everything that you have qualified us for in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.